Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bat Truck Up Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen. Joined today with Justin J. Mark Martin. How you doing, Justin? Doing good. I like that you didn't use Super Trucker. I've, I've been telling people from the beginning the I name is ironic. That... <laughs> <laughs> I have I finally got that out of my system. Welcome to 2023, everybody. New, yeah, new year. year, new me. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of a quick open, you know, of... 2023 you know things happen things change so yep and uh talking about changes let's bring on a good old friend of ours let's, let's stir the pot a little bit ladies and gentlemen welcome back to gord mcgill hey happy new, uh, uh, happy old year everybody and congratulations on surviving 2022 yeah we all made it <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah so you'll have to pardon me i've been a little bit under the weather as of late um and uh, I was feeling tired earlier, so I overcompensated by having another pot of coffee. So if I start ranting or um, speaking at the speed of Dooner, just like tell me to slow down <laughs> and I'll, I'll chill out a little bit. I'm still working my way through my first one, so I'm, I'll try to keep up. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm almost through my first big cup, but yeah, uh, you know, 2022 out in the past you know everybody's had their war stories to tell so today we're going to talk about you know what was 2022 to gourd you know uh it's a wild adventure out there in that part of the world you're from and i don't know uh, how much snow you got out out that way here lately it was uh kind of crazy well it has been a bit crazy we had a bunch of snow before thanksgiving and then a bunch more snow about a week before Christmas, which then started to melt. And then we had, in 24 hours, it snowed a couple of inches, and then it rained, and then it snowed some more, and then it went from like 42 degrees to 8 degrees. And now it's almost going to be 60 degrees out here, and it's January 5th. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, the birds are chirping, and it feels like a spring day, and it's all very odd. I saw guys on motorcycles out like day before yesterday. So yeah, it's, it's been a wacky winter. Um, so you have a little bit more experience, you know, behind the wheel than Rooster and I together. Um, 2022, how crazy was that? Do you think compared to all the other years you've been on the road? Wow. Uh, as far as on the road goes, um, wow. What, what, what observations do I have? I or mean, just like I, in general, because so many, so many people said like how, what a, what a horrendous year it's been. And not that I disagree, but like, can we put that in perspective? Like, was it really that bad compared to all the other years or was it like a unique? Well, I mean, yeah, perspective, perspective, perspective and perception is everything. And it's hard for me to make a uh, commentary on like the sort of wider business. Um, Cause I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I work in one industry in like one part of the country and I don't travel near as far as many of your listeners do, or as I used to myself. But I mean, you know, everyone's just keeping trying to plug away. I mean, despite the high fuel prices and the high price of parts, my boss is still limping the business along. And, you know, most people are shouldering their burden and just keep going to work and trying to get her done. Um, I can't believe that diesel. So I used to see the signs at like gas stations and, you know, you'd see diesel like a dollar more than than gas uh, at most places. It's like $2.20 difference now in Jersey. Is it like that where you're at? Uh, I fueled up, so I, I fuel up at like a bulk retailer that's significantly cheaper than a lot of gas stations around here. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is retail. This yeah. Is retail gas, so, yeah. um, I mean, but it's still the difference. Uh, I paid 
Last time I filled up the truck, $4.80 a gallon for diesel. Um, cars were at three twenty, so it's a dollar sixty spread between gas and diesel. Um, and it's been like you say, twenty twenty two. I at one point we were paying six thirty five, and yeah. uh, the lowest it's got yeah, down to it's... has been four thirty five. So it's been like in that two dollars zone between four and change and six and change basically all year. And you guys yeah, are the, doing like the, you know tons of highway driving, right? It's all up and down the hills. Well, it, I mean, I I do a significant amount of interstate driving. Uh, between mills and locations, I'd, I'd say I'm probably uh, 25% of my trips are on two lane road and out in the bush and 75% on the four lane. But um, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting the uh, Jamie Hagen uh, fuel mileage. I'm not getting that eight, nine, 10 miles a gallon. <laughs> um, I'm either loaded to the hilt 80 grand plus and it's logs, which are not very aerodynamic and a zillion edges. And, you know, if, if I'm getting five, eight, five, nine, six miles a gallon, I'm doing great. I always hate it. So my, my first company I drove with, they had like a fuel bonus, fuel efficiency bonus. And they had like this leaderboard of like who was like the most efficient driver. <laughs> and it's always like the same five guys every every week or every month because they're on dedicated runs. So obviously they're going to be, you know, well, consistency, consistency is key, right? Like if, if I, if I was just sat on the four lane on a flat stretch here, say following the Susquehanna river, um, rather than going up and down hills, say on 17 down in the Catskills or up and down 81, you know, if I was just on flat ground, I would probably do much better. But again, you know, the ter- terrain and loading are things, right? Yeah. No, I, I don't understand why companies give these bonuses you know but then it's it's throughout the entire company obviously somebody driving you know over the road is going to be and also parking and idling is going to be a lot less fuel efficient than somebody um on a dedicated run but then to judge them in the same category same group just i don't know something about that always irked me yeah it, it could probably use with a little bit deeper categorization between drivers and what they're doing but i'm a firm believer in fuel bonuses because people need incentives to do things properly yeah yeah i'm not saying get rid of the fuel bonuses i'm just saying put them in like separate separate categories sure um so you had some passengers uh out there on the road with you uh this, this uh, past couple months. I know you had oh, Rachel Premack. Oh boy. Um who else did you have out in the in the truck with you? Oh boy. Uh yeah, so I had Rachel with me for her first ever trip in an 18-wheeler and that was lots of fun. Um we recorded uh a show for my new podcast. I'm hoping to get out the door here soon. Mm. And that that was fun. Uh we realized 45 minutes into recording that I hadn't actually hit the record button. Uh, so we had to do it again. Hey, we know about that. <laughs> um, yeah. She only slept for like an hour. So kudos to her. She got her, got her butt out of bed at four 30 and came trucking with me. So yeah, she was great. Um, I had the deputy editor of Newsweek magazine, uh, Batchy Unger Sargon in the truck with me in June. I've had uh, Twitter personality and uh, truck and motorcycle image poster extraordinaire Big Dog Sib with me in the truck the other week. I'll take I anybody, love, man. I, I love prearranged hitchhiking. It's great. I love Sib's uh, tweet about you. He's like, I showed up at Gord's house at 4 a.m. and he's already up for an hour and it's just a photo of Jocko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think in that regard, most most truckers are Jocko. Like we should, you know get a photo of our watches and like, yep, it's three 30 time to go. 
That's not a bad idea. No. Yeah, I don't think enough, I, there's not enough overlap between truck drivers who know who Jocko is, but still have like that um, that Jocko drive. Because like if if you don't have truck drivers like Jocko out there, like nothing gets moved. Well, so uh, one of my friends in high school, his father, um, God rest his soul, Barry Etherington, he was a trucker, and he said to me when I was a young guy and was a te- as a teenager, he said, you know, trucking is not just a job, and you have to want to do it. Because if you don't want to do it, it sucks, and you're not going to want to get out of bed that early. So yeah, yeah, I think that uh, mm. I think that's relevant here. Oh, I've I've talked on the podcast before. Like my first three, I think my first two weeks on my own, it was like the most like horrific. Like just had a bad time, got lost a couple times, and just um, there was one night where I just I literally could not find the damn truck stop to park for the night. <laughs> and so I'm like pulled over in this like dinky, like Wawa parking lot somewhere on the phone with my mom, sobbing my eyes out saying, I hate this. I, hate, I, I miss home. Uh, I, oh, you're gonna, yeah, okay. I'm you're going to, you're going to, you're going to edit this out later. So we all don't make fun of you. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then, but the, but then like the next, I woke up the next day and it was like a switch went off in my head and it was like, okay, let's do this. Like you're either going to, figure out a way to get this done or you're just going to be this every single day. Like, you don't want to be that every single day you're out there. No. And you got, so you, you, wrap you, your head around it. you have to like tell yourself like, Oh, I'm just, I'm basically camping. You know, I'm getting paid to, I'm getting paid to go camping. Like any, any physical draining job that I ever had, I had to like trick myself into being like people pay good money for a, a gym membership. You're literally getting paid to move these heavy boxes. You know, those, those are like the little mental tricks you know, like tell yourself. But yeah, I, I think so many guys go through that and then they just, they, they don't have like that switch that turns on the next day of like, okay, we well, need to I mean, this out or... it's for some of us who've, I mean, I, I come from a long line of truckers. My grandpa was a trucker, both my uncles and my dad. So like I, there was never a switch for me to flip. Like the, hmm. the, 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 the switch got flipped when like my earliest memories being three or four years old, seeing the old man you know, driving his R model for J line. Like that was it, you know, I'm doing it. So um, for, for other people who maybe come from different backgrounds or don't have it in their blood, then yeah, whatever you can, whatever you need to do to cope, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. The difference with me was like, I got into it just cause I needed a job. Like my, my, my dad drove truck for a little bit, but he wasn't like a truck driver his whole life. He was a, a flight engineer on a C-130 um, and then a helicopter pilot before that. Um, so, and then, and then he grew up on a farm. So like, I, I've been in trucks, you know, I, I, I wasn't a stranger to them, but it was never like, this is what I'm going to do growing up is like, I, you know, wanted to do five other things that fell through. And then I was working retail and I was like, well, this sucks. And, uh, then it was right before the 08 recession. So I just, I needed a job and this was the first thing I could, I could get, but didn't have a degree requirement or anything. And it, it paid, you know, didn't pay great, but it paid a lot more than I was making retail. Oh, eight recession. I remember that I had gone to Europe traveling in the summer and early fall. And I came home in October and I'd been doing the sort of seasonal thing, working in Western Canada, doing fill in for these guys I worked for in Ontario. And I get home in October and the banks had all just crashed in Iceland. And I was just, I literally, I was in Iceland for three weeks. I, fl- I land in Halifax and then the papers the next day, you know, Iceland's economy had collapsed and I'm like, did I fart while I was over there? Like what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, it was the only time in my life I had to put in some effort to try and find a job because like everybody was dead. There was nothing going on. 
And that's how I ended up hauling fuel for these guys in Toronto. I was doing gas station deliveries, uh, working like a crazy continental shift schedule, days, nights, weekends, all over the place. And um, that was basically the only half decent job I could find. And like I had to work at it. I had to spend a couple of weeks trying to get a job, which was the only time in my life I've ever had to do that. Yeah, things hadn't been quite falling apart yet when I joined. So I, I started with um, Schneider in October of 07. And I left in April 2009. So like everything had melted down while I was driving for them. And then I went back to Florida and it was like everything was, was just seized up. Like nobody was hiring, nothing. And I, I got a job with a guy on Craigslist and he owned two trucks. I drove one and that was like the, it was fine. Cause I got to keep driving, but like the pay sucked trying to get a paycheck out of him was like pulling teeth. Um, and then I basically got out of the truck and, and was working like retail again, uh, stock and freezers at target. Um, and then that was when that dream job just kind of like landed in my lap. I got a message from a guy on Facebook. I hadn't talked to him in years, but we went to high school together and he's like, Hey, my dad's driving, uh, truck and he needs a new co-driver are you interested and i was like yes get me out of here and that, was, and that was that was how i ended up on the, the military explosives for four years it was just you know it's it's always who you know not what you know um All right. what was what was like the the 08 like in uh in your neck of the woods rooster oh eight uh what's a oh hey i was pulling light poles for under the georgia power contract for uh kathleen timber but it, it was kind of I just left Swift after getting stuck at a truck stop for a week and not getting any work. And, you know, that, that kind of sucks. So I'm like, I'm headed to Atlanta. I'm dropping the truck off and going to the house. Anybody know of a truck driving job? So you're like, yeah, my uncle knows the guy that runs Helena Chemical out and out outside Fitzgerald, Georgia. And they got a contract pulling light poles. You could do that for, for a while. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that for a couple of months. And it almost turned into about a year and a half actually so uh, it was kind of like one of those get off the road find something local transitions which we're seeing something something like that going right now with you know owner operators the rates being down as low as they are fuel being high as it is you know a lot of those guys are jumping off going either local or just if they're old enough to draw social security or some kind of retirement you know dropping off and starting that so it's you know it's real similar to that that 08 cycle that we're we're seeing you know it was uh, inflation was up interest rates were up so it's kind of it kind of mirroring that a little bit yeah it's crazy now though because all this talk of recession happening but you could still easily get i mean everybody's hiring it's it's the weirdest recession ever where yeah you know things things definitely feel like a recession but you still see everybody hiring everywhere and that was well, not the case. They're, in they're hiring, but are they paying? That's the big question, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, true. No, that's true. That's true. Well, that's, already, that is true. Everybody's hiring, but are they paying? You know, that's the. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I had a tweet about that um, the other day. I was at a New Year's party, and a friend of mine, he's a manager for a um, um, asphalt company, and they have probably twenty drivers that drive for them. You know, hauling. Um, low boys and cement trucks and blah, blah, blah. And, um, drivers, they need drivers. Like just like everybody else, they're, they're desperate for drivers. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you need? He's like, if you, if you got, if you know drivers and they want to make some real money, tell them to learn how to drive a cement truck. And I'm like, okay, well, how much do you pay? He's like, oh, 25 an hour. <laughs> it's like, oh, what? Well, okay. Ooh, <laughs> There's your problem right there. Yeah, ooh, ooh. But that's, but it's, it's like that with everything now. And so the, the solution they think next for that is to hire, you know, high school kids. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, um, I have some very, oh man, yeah, the whole high school thing. There's, um, there's a term I picked up from uh, one of the academic people I've been speaking with about throwing bodies at a problem mm. because they don't want to solve the <laughs> other stuff, right? So it's like, you know, the, the, I, I, I think it's under the Biden administration's um, bipartisan infrastructure bill. There was a part in it about, um, you know, do, removing the interstate restriction for 21 to 18 year olds and then setting up, giving money to set up like apprenticeship programs. And I'm, I'm all for the apprenticeship programs as long as they're like, um, you know, a, a, a license tier gets built into that, right? Like you need to have like a class, I mean, a class B license for six months or a year before you get an A and then you should be restricted mm. to working local, you know, like an actual graduated licensing program. But like the lar- the larger point here is that the, they by your actions, you shall know them. And nobody wants to fix any of the structural problems or the pay problems or the uh, use of time problems. It's like, you know, there was a study and I've referenced it in my uh, Substacks and other places um, done by the MIT Freight Labs about like uh, truck utilization and how many trucks are sitting in detention all the time. And like up at any given day, up to 40% of America's truck capacity is tied up sitting. So you have all these problems, and instead of like trying to solve them, ah, we'll just find more drivers. It's just always find mm. more drivers, find more drivers, find more bodies. Just keep throwing people into the machine instead of trying to fix the machine, right? It's it's a it's a funnel, and rather than being like a V shape, it's just a straight pipe. <laughs> they don't yeah. they don't see how many people are coming out the bottom. They're just trying to shove more into the top. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <coughs> And then uh, uh, I was watching. So you had a tweet the other day about um, uh, Congressman Dan. How do you spell his last? Pronounce his last name? Mauser? M e Muser? Muser? Moiser? Yeah. Dan Dan Muser. Um, he had a no. I'm sorry. Was it the other guy? Which the, the Jersey politician? He had a, he had a quote about um, you know if if the he'd been asked if the guaranteed for over, guaranteed overtime for truckers act bill had come across his desk and he said no. But I love truck drivers. Oh. They're very important to the supply chain. And I love them so much that we're going to hire a bunch of high school kids to just keep their wages even lower. And I, I was in bed reading that tweet. I about jumped out of my bed. I was like, I was like, you can't, that, that was, it's that like the most video. blatant politician, politician doublespeak. It's like, yeah, we love them so much, but we're that, also going to, you know, screw them as hard as we can. And I don't even, I don't even think you realized what you said at the time. <laughs> what was that rooster? That, what that video sent you to, that wasn't that video I sent you the other day, was it? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I had, already oh, seen that, it. oh God, what was I? can't remember that guy's name but it, it, it's nice and nice and shiny all the way to the last 10 seconds then it turns into a total turd of an interview <laughs> yeah well here's the thing right like so 435 congress critters um you know a zillion things on their docket i'm willing to forgive them for not understanding um the sort of granular details of every single particular bill or every single industry or every single issue out there in the world, you know, anybody that follows politics in America as anywhere knows it's a cluster. So, you know, fair enough, but like, it's just interesting. Um, one of the people that ran for Congress in Arizona or was it a Senator said the same thing, you know, we're going to help America's supply chains by doing this to get more high school kids driving. And like, they just, they, it's, it's clear 
that whatever they understand about trucking either comes from uh, people like the ATA or, you know, they listened to whatever they heard on NPR and they didn't actually talk to any truck drivers whatsoever. And I guess guess that's part of my project (laughs) here, right? Like, and your guys project, which is to like, you know, give voice to those. Yeah. Give voice to those of us on the road to say, hang on a minute here. There's other stuff happening. Right. It's, it's one of those, it's, it's like the matrix. It's like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And there's this amazing video that went viral a couple years ago about like all the news TV news broadcasters all saying the same line. And it's because they're, they're giving the same script by like, you know, their parent company or whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's the exact same way that talking points work with people in politics. It's, you know, you get, you get that talking point and once you know what that talking point is and you know, it's BS, when you hear other people saying that you go, Oh, I know exactly where they got that from. And it's, it's not because, you know, they're, they're saying it on purpose or anything. It's just literally like, you have too much on your plate and you know, if, if you're trying to talk about a topic, you're just going to go with whatever the expert says, but right. the expert isn't, you know, on the side of the driver, so to speak, they're on the side of, you know, the companies. Yeah. And I'm sure that repli- I'm sure that happens in all sorts of, for all sorts of other issues and businesses and industries and sectors. Like yeah. it's not, it's not unique to us. I just, it, it's just so interesting to me, like how pervasive the bad information is and i'm like when i get time of course which i never seem to have i i want to write a sub stack on the like NPRification of like uh the truck trucking industry intel because Mm. like there must be like a stamping plant somewhere where there's like some new npr article coming out about you know 18 year olds and truck driving schools and all the rest of it. And it all sounds the same and like none of it's nuanced at all. And they barely ever talk to any truck drivers. And it's like, <laughs> guys, come yeah. on. You know, we need a new, we need a word or a phrase for it because, um, RIP, uh, Michael Crichton, he had this amazing, um, phrase called the Gelman amnesia effect. Do you know about that? I think we talked about that one before. I've heard of it, but like, please yeah. refresh my memory. It's when you're, say you're an electrician, and you are reading the front page of a New York, New York Times, and there's an article about you know something to deal with electricity, and you're like, ah, they're they're wrong about this, they're wrong about that, and then you turn the page, and then it goes on to a topic about you know trucking or Israel Palestine or whatever, and you're just like, oh okay, you know you you just believe whatever whatever they're saying in that article, and it's it's that amnesia of like when you're reading an article about a topic that you're an expert in and you know all the inaccuracies, but then you go to a, a topic you know nothing about. And you're just like, okay, I just believe what everything. Yeah, everything you just you, you just accept it because you're you you don't know anything about it, right? Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you look we, at the you look at the two things differently. Yeah, and we we need something like that with like uh you know talking points. It'd just be like you know we 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 know where you got that from, and this is why it's wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We just uh, a couple weeks back we had a uh, OIDA's uh, legislative director uh, Brian Munson on here in. You know, they there's a lot of stuff in Congress right now. We got Guaranteed Overtime Act, we got Bathroom Access Act, which I don't even know why we're having to have a law about that for. It should be plain for human beings. You know, we got truck parking at. Uh Gore, is there anything else that uh we might need to write our congressman about to get in front of Congress? You know, any more driver issues? Oh man, so we have parking, overtime, um, putting 18 year olds behind the wheel. I mean, the, the issue here is, 
I mean, the, the, the putting stuff before Congress is like a, a symptom of the fact that the industry won't fix any of its own problems, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's like, I, I, I would rather not go to Congress. I would rather bang down some C-suite doors and say, guys, it's within your power to fix some of this stuff yourself and talk to the people working for you and come up with your own solutions. Like this is America where, you know, the founding ideal is, you know, um, we're supposed to have limited small government and business is supposed to work out its own crap and carry forward the best way it knows how. But like, it's, it's, we live in a society now where it's Spider-Man meme, you know, it's everyone else's yeah, fault it's point, and it's point everyone else's responsibility. And there's this like tangled web of, you know, cold molasses coated, uh, inertia where if you want to try and fix something, you can't, or you don't want to take on the responsibility and the cost of doing it yourself. So I mean I, I this that's a roundabout way of not answering your question but I would rather mm-hmm. not have it have to go to Congress, right? Yeah, would you would you <laughs> rather move a mountain or a molehill? You know, it's a lot easier to put these things to bed when they're, you know, tiny but then if they if you know kicking the can down the road is is, you know, par for the course for the last 20 30 plus years and I think at the, at this point now it's, you know, the roads are a mess. The bridges are collapsing. We can't hire any truck drivers the drivers that we have can't park for the night it's just like <laughs> how long do you think do these things need to go before they get fixed to the point where now congress has to step in i would i would say all right so before going to congress i i would ask the larger carriers and all carriers to crack the whip on their customers right like yeah. if you're not going to let our drivers use the bathrooms or park somewhere on your facility overnight because you held them up loading or unloading we're not going to use you anymore like we're just not going to haul your stuff like we 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 need to start flexing on people in like a coordinated fashion to help solve some of these problems because we're just relying on the government coming in and smacking everybody i mean it's useful for some things but not all things and you know the the best again like you say it's small problems that keep piling up and become larger ones well it's time to start chipping away at the small ones ourselves where we can well let's play devil's advocate for a second because you know if if i'm that shipper receiver and i got some customers saying well i'm not sending my drivers there anymore okay fine there's like a thousand more i can pick from and they'll and they'll be more than happy to send you know their bums over here instead and i know well and i guess you eventually run out of the bums or, you know, the bottom feeders, <laughs> but I mean, you would run out of them if we didn't keep throwing more bodies at the problem. Right. So like yeah. this, and again, this is where everything is like complex and inter- complicated and interrelated, you know, like, you know, this Biden program, throw more 18 year olds at it. And then like, we have this issue on the Southern border and, you know, I'm sure um, w- once some of those people get processed and get granted work visas, a bunch of them will end up at truck driving school and it's just like, you know, uh, to your point, it, it's hard to um, to stop the other guy that will do the stupid stuff that perpetuates the problem when there's always another guy. And we have the government actively throwing other guys who maybe shouldn't be involved in the business at it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's easy for me to say dig away at the small problems and don't get the government involved. But again... You know, when when the government is 
actively doing things that prevent you from solving the problem yourself, inevitably they're going to be involved as well. Yeah. And the, the, you know, again, to harp on the 18 year old thing, if I was making what I was making in my first year of truck driving as an 18 year old, uh, I would have been thrilled. But you know, now as an almost 40, some, 40 something year old, uh, if I was making the same now as I was my first year in truck driving, I'd be livid. Yeah, no. And I mean, that's where I'm at. I'm, 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 on on paper, I make a little tiny bit more than when I was 18. But then when you adjust for inflation and the value mm. of the dollar going down in the last 25 years, I'm probably actually behind. I'm probably making the money I made when I was 16 at my part-time jobs. And I have two kids to feed. Yeah, trying to feed I man. My, so my kid loves eggs right now. And I cannot believe how oh. expensive eggs are getting at the store. Like I have to, I buy them in like eighteen packs, and they're like they're like seven dollars a pack now. Oh, dude! I went to visit a buddy of mine in Canada before Christmas back in November, and yeah, uh, a rack of twelve eggs in Ontario now, eight bucks, easy, no, eight, eight or nine dollars wow. for twelve eggs. Damn. Yep. All right, I'm getting backyard chickens. Come, come spring, <laughs> I'm, I'm buying one of those, like you know. And now, and now, and now, everybody wonders why I have chickens in my yard. Yeah, no, you're doing. You're. I mean, the rooster is not just a name; it's a lifestyle, right? Like this. Talking about. But oh, I'm sorry, rooster. Uh, where did the nickname rooster come from? Now that we're talking about that. Oh, it, it actually. Justin, you may soon meet the man that helped coin the rooster. Uh, uh, we'll get on that a little bit after a while. But uh, rooster is actually basically what I was doing when I was uh, po- uh, podcasting before I come over to Freightways. I was doing morning, you know, the place what I was. It was a group of people I was working with, and I did three o'clock to seven o'clock. I was literally the rooster crow and waking everybody up. Hmm. So when it came off the guy that uh, kind of taught me how to be a podcaster, he was doing overnight, doing all kind of the UFO crazy stuff. Then, you know, here I come, you know, trucker talking trucking, you know, well, that this was the time of the uh, great trucker protest in DC with Trump, you know, that whole in- instance. And, you know, what happened all afterward? Yeah, you know, it's kind of just me being loud, obnoxious, waking everybody up. So that's basically being rooster. Hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna chop this up. I I do want to talk about the topic you're talking about, but since we're talking about the the freedom protest, um, do we? So it's been over almost a year now, over a year since the Canadian protest. So they uh, uh, the uh, freedom convoy rolled into Ottawa January 29th. So it's oh, so okay, it'll, it'll be a year when this podcast comes out then. Um, we don't hear much at all about it in the, in the U S press. Um, how's that, how's that going up there in Canada right now? Well, um, they've, uh, you know, people move on from stuff and you know, the, the, the sort of last bit of that was the, uh, wrap up of the public order emergency commission, which was the sort of mandatory inquiry into the invocation of the emergencies act, which, was the sort of, you know, flamethrower, sledgehammer, um, nuclear option that Trudeau used to disperse the protests. And uh, that was when they would, that was shutting down everyone's bank accounts, right? Yes, that's what, yeah, the, the, the power to do that flowed from the invocation of this act. And the, the, that nuclear option is considered such a major 
uh, major expansion of government powers that it includes within it a requirement to discuss it afterwards to see if it was even necessary and how to better oh, improve wow. it if and when something happens next time. So anyway, it was called Public Order Emergency Commission, POEC. It wrapped up, oh man, five, six weeks ago now. And, um, you know, there was a little bit of, there was a little bit of noise about that in the media in Canada, but the reason like it didn't get too much airplay is because, you know, the, in the, in the commission, all the receipts came out about what actually happened. And what do you know? All the receipts showed that the media lied about us top to bottom about the entire Mm. thing. So when the media has their asses handed to them and are shown to be liars, they're not exactly going to be trumpeting that from the rooftops, right? So, and <laughs> the problem with like the U.S. media, insofar as it relates to Freedom Convoy and this POEC thing, is time. Because like you know that was last year, like many many news yep. cycles ago, right? Like everyone's attention span here is about twelve hours, right? A year ago might as well have been a decade ago, right? And you know a, a lot of the U.S. media. Uh, we're basically copy pasting whatever CBC or CTV news in Canada was saying. So like the interest just wasn't there to be like, Oh, Hey, we were repeating lies from the Canadian media. We're assholes too. So like, why would they bother covering it? Um, You know, over and above time news cycles and the fact that the United States is just like the news media here is just, it, it's like, they're like the ultimate cat with a laser pointer, you know, like, <laughs> like there's just always a zillion things going on. So like, who cares what's happening in Canada? Right. Well, I think too, <laughs> it, it kind of helps and maybe hurts us too, is like, we're a lot more polarized. I think than Canada is. And so we have like rival networks going after each other is, and I don't think you have that much. in Canada, uh, right? No, like there's, no, there's, well, there's conservative, there's conservative news stations, but they're not like yeah, on par with it, each other. It, no, it's, it's, I mean, the, the polarization in Canada amongst the polity is not as bad, but it does exist. And it got made worse under the Trudeau regime. The media function as basically arms of the state now. So like it, those of us paying attention to Canadian politics like to refer to it as the uniparty because there's basically functionally no difference between the liberals, the conservatives, the NDP are a little bit farther out left, but like, there um it don't even get me started and and uh you know one of the things that many americans might not know is that the canadian media is heavily subsidized by the government so in mm-hmm. 2019 uh the got a lot of the major media institutions in canada and that this is not even including the cbc which is the state sponsored broadcaster but like ctv uh, global bell all the rest of them come cap in hand to the government saying we're going broke so Trudeau handed them like $600 million and said, here you go, guys. So like when you do not bite the hand that feeds, yeah. right? So like the, the media landscape up north sucks. And I mean, there's a couple of smaller outfits nibbling around the edges like TNC or Rebel News or whatever. But I mean, the, the, they're not the people that are on like the TVs at the airport or at the senior citizen center or like, you know, there was, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a study that came out about the average age of like network TV viewers. And it was like, Oh yeah, seriously. Like if you were a Fox news viewer, you're 68. If you're MSNBC, you were 64, you know, like CBS was 65. Like nobody in our age bracket or below watches network TV anymore. 
It's just it's it's it's, 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 it's a dinosaur that's on life support. Yeah, it's not even that they don't watch it. They literally do not know it exists. Um, we're, we so we took my son to uh, my, his father-in-law's. Or we took my son to uh, my father-in-law's house a couple weeks ago, and like he always has the TV on to like you know the cable. And the first thing he does is we we put it on like Disney or something, and it goes to commercial break. And he was like, "What is this? Where'd my, where'd my show go?" Yeah, and I was like, "I was like, oh wow, damn, you've never even seen because like we use we have YouTube Premium, so like a lot of parents watch YouTube now, but then they get ads, so we don't we don't get ads to YouTube Premium. But I remember the first time the ads came on, he was like." Where, where'd Bluey go? And I'm like, oh yeah, Bluey will be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Bluey, Bluey, Bluey had to uh, uh, keep the lights on, you know? <laughs> oh, we watch that probably... Wait, we watch that way too much. Probably four times a day. Now, that's, that's like his nightly routine now. Is uh, we, we say bottle and Bluey and couch. And so 7 o'clock, give him a bottle, put him on the couch. And he just chills out, watches Bluey for a bit. And then take him upstairs and put him in bed. Thanks, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your uh, what's, what's your routine rooster how's how, how do the evenings around your house go i just uh hanging out with the family you know taking care of mom and you know seeing what's going on with the everybody else in the family rooster's always plugged in i'm i'm like trying to like set a little kid down get dinner made and stuff like that and he's out there on our slack channel like sharing links and saying, oh this is going this is going on. Yeah. Like, All right. more more news for me to check out later tonight Watching watching the evening news, doing stuff, you know, never really stops out here. You know that uh, that movie uh, trope of like the guy in the chair. That's Rooster. He's just. I don't think you have like a bank of monitors, but I, I think you you should you just have like five monitors all going at once with like different news feeds. Have I ever you know do my uh, remodeling job? I you know I want one of those big L desks with the like the five or six monitors around it, like the real pro streamer setup. <laughs> I never had multiple monitors oh. until I started this job and like, I'm never going back. It's, it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> it's terrible for my yeah. ADHD, but uh, <laughs> productivity wise, it's like, Oh, I have so much screen real estate now. I remember seeing a photo one time. I don't know. It might've even been on back the truck up.com or your guys' Twitter feed. It was a picture of, you know, a Volvo tractor. And it was sort of looked at like you were looking up, at the windshield, but through the driver's door, through the driver's window. Uh, and there was like five or six devices, like a GPS, a Sirius satellite radio, and then mm. something else. And there was literally like the guy had four or five of them on his windshield, all directly in his field of vision. And I'm like, okay, I mean, first off. Yeah, well, that that was <laughs> that was last year when they made a change to the what they call the technology area of the windshield. And he was like, okay, is all this legal? You know, it's where it's supposed to be, but is all this legal, you know? Well now, and nowadays they have those, um, uh, they take out the West coast mirrors and they have like the adjustable mirrors with the led panels inside the cabs. Now, you know, that's just even more screens you're looking at. I've never driven a truck with that on there. The, but camera, every, the, the camera mirrors. Yeah, but every single comment I've seen from somebody who's driven with those is like, "Eh, they take a bit to get used to." But like once once they once they have them, they're great. I'm like, I'm I I know I'm enough of a boomer now where I'm like, absolutely not, no, never. I, I can't imagine you ever driving a truck with the cameras on it. No, 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 um, <laughs> no, 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 and some more no's. Um, so news items that uh, speaking of cameras and all this technology uh fmcsa i believe 
I, I read this in Landline. I don't know. I keep losing track of time because like so busy parenting, tracking, mm-hmm. trying to do my thing here. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was November, maybe it was in December, but uh, there's a FMCSA, I think, or maybe it's DOT. Someone's proposing this idea where each commercial vehicle in the United States must have a unique electronic identifier attached to it so that like when you roll across the scale or if a cop has some kind of like mobile scanning device they will know everything about the truck whether or not it's got an eld or anything is irrelevant but if it's a commercially licensed vehicle it must have one of these devices installed have you have you guys read that or followed it at all we we talked a little bit with the um um the guy from oida um just a tiny little bit about it, but it's just another one of those things where like, you're just, you know, you're not, you're not a person uh, anymore in the truck. You're just, you're just a number on wheels. I mean, you already have it in your truck. I mean, you go through the way station bypass. It's already there. You're half of us have it on the phone as an app. Now it's just, well, I think know, what we'll see. So, step over. so my, my sort of deranged dissident freakazoid take on this is this ties into the other thing FMCSA is trying to do is um, they're, they're talking about uh, removing the exemption for pre-99 trucks for the ELD. And mm-hmm. it's like, they're just never satisfied. They don't want anybody to not be seen by Sauron, right? Like you must be yeah. part of Big Brother's surveillance thing. No exceptions. And so like over and above the ELD thing, what, what, the government's really good at like, changing definitions of things to suit themselves so i don't know about like where you guys live but in new york state a commercial vehicle is not defined by its size it's defined by uh the registration on it and whether or not it's involved in business so you'll see a lot of guys like one of my friends is a contractor he builds houses he has a commercial plate on his toyota tundra right so imagine for a second, if this rule proposed rule goes through and like by their definition, what's a commercial vehicle. So now my buddy, Chris, that builds houses has to have the same electronic identifier attached to his pickup truck as us guys running up and down the road with 18 wheelers. And like, to what end, like what, what, what end, what purpose is being served by this? You know, and they never tell you what the purpose is, or if they do, it's like some BS, like, a, well, it's for safety and being able to like hold people accountable if there's a problem. It's like, come on, guys. I, I, it'll be for track. It's tracking. I mean, it's all tracking these days. You know, whether they're trying to keep an eye on uh, human trafficking or shipping smuggling or drug smuggling, that's that's just an easier tool in their arsenal. Instead of like having to tail a truck and see where it's going, they can just see where it pings along the highway. Uh, with this electronic identifier, I I totally get why they want to put it in the vehicle, and I'm not necess- I'm not 100 against it, but that's me speaking as like somebody that's always been a company driver. See, I, I've always compartmentalized, you know, my personal vehicle versus a commercial vehicle, and I've always understood, you know, if I'm in a commercial vehicle, I'm playing by their rules. Um, I'm not necessarily saying I I like the rules or anything, but I, you know, it's it's a totally different ball game. Um, when you're in a commercial truck. Now, if you're an owner operator, that, that blurs a line between, you know, personal vehicle and, and commercial vehicle. So, you know, I, I definitely see why they need to push back against that. Yeah. I, um, I remember it's funny you should mention drug trafficking. I don't watch TV too often, but, um, my wife and I, a few years ago, uh, we were watching, oh man, 
the Narcos, and it was yeah, it was a great it was show. Second or third season, and not so great. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> w- w- one of the guys from the Cali cartel was meeting. There's a scene in the film in the in the show, and the, one of the Cali cartel guys is meeting one of these Mexican dudes, and they're at Ciudad Juarez or Tijuana. They're somewhere on the U.S. border, and they're sitting on this patio, kind of overlooking. The border crossing and the and the and the Mexican guy is talking to the Colombian Cali cartel guy. He's like, "Yeah, the the gringos just did this deal with us called NAFTA because this is like back in the <laughs> early nineties. Yeah. And he's like, "Look at all those trucks. Those gringos, they have no way of checking every one of them things. We just nope. We just pack everyone we want full. If some get caught, the rest get through. They have no way of tracking it all. Maybe they took that message to heart. Maybe they do want to track everything." So that nothing gets by them. Like I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Yeah, no, I, I no, I, I'm 100 percent there with you. Because what was it, Texas? I think this uh, last spring or summer, for like two days, they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna stop every single truck and search every single one of them." And everybody threw a fit because they're like, "You're you're delaying everything." You know, there there are trucks coming in that you know that part needs to get there yesterday. And every every hour or day that you're holding it up, that's millions and billions of dollars on the line while they're waiting for that thing to get there. So, you know, I, th- I think within two days, I, I guess the governor got enough phone calls where they're like, okay, we're done with this. Yeah, well, I mean, the same thing happened with the border and not after 9-11, right? So 9-11 mm. happens. I mean, you, you guys weren't trucking back then. I was. Um, they basically, for lack of a better word, they basically shut the border down. I mean, they would let trucks through, but like after they spent six hours inspecting it, right? Mm. And so like, all this just in time stuff with car parts coming from Canada to factories in Ohio and Michigan and all over the place. Like it basically ground the entire economy to a halt. And after a while, you know, the car companies got the ear of people in Congress and said like, you know, we understand the security concerns, but like we have to figure this out because basically we're losing millions and billions of dollars. And, um, this ties into the Freedom Convoy stuff in Canada, too, because of the border blockade at Windsor. Um, the POEC revealed that there was all kinds of communication going on between the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, Christia Freeland, <coughs> and um, members of the Biden administration, including Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, about the situation at the Windsor border crossing. And, um, I mean... You know, there was a lot of noise made in the Canadian media about, you know, oh, yeah, all this foreign money coming to support the truckers, which was also proven to not be true. Um, But the biggest influence uh, in getting the Emergencies Act pulled through was actually pressure from the Biden administration. So, like, Mm. yeah, the the foreign influence on another democracy was actually Pete Booty Judge telling Christia Freeland, um, yeah. Get your border open like now. <laughs> when I when I saw the photos of them of all the trucks like up on the bridge, I, I was, my first thought was like, okay, they're never they're never getting them down, you know, because none of the Canadian uh, wreckers out there they didn't even have enough wreckers to get up on the bridge to pull them off. Um, so didn't they didn't they have to use like American wreckers? Well, to I, I, the I, there was a there was a suggestion made um, again. Uh, in documentation revealed in POEC to hire American trucking uh, recovery, you know, tow trucks 
to assist with various um, protest sites. Um, I don't know if any of them ever did get involved, but I don't think so. What about okay? So that was on the bridge. What about the ones in, in um in, in, in Ottawa? Yeah. Well, I mean, that Ottawa. was that was the suggestion too, was to allow um, American tow truck companies from say Vermont or the far end of upstate New York to contract them. Um, I, I don't that I don't think that ever happened again because like you know guys were starting to leave Ottawa on their own when they heard the hammer was coming down and you know the number of trucks that were actually towed and seized by the government was very small it was only a couple of dozen because hmm. most guys were like okay cool we're out of here see ya so and that, I think that would have violated NAFTA too right because the way it was explained to me you know when I went to Canada I can take loads into Canada. And I can take loads out and I can pick up loads in Canada, but I cannot pick up and then drop off a load while in Canada. Sure. Yeah. It's called cabotage or interstating. Cabotage. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I've witnessed cabotage happen by both parties on both sides of the border and it's all hush hush. You know, mm-hmm. uh, even uh, load brokers even have a, uh, a polite term. So like if you're, if you're a Canadian trucking company and you have a load delivered at point A and your back load is at point B, and let's say it's like 800 or 1200 miles between those points, you know, the, the polite term they use when dealing with American load brokers is called repositioning. So it's no, we're, we're not interested. <laughs> oh. we're, repos- we're, re- we're repositioning our truck. And, you know, American trucks do it too. Like I, I was at a steel plant in Ontario one time. And like doing a local move, like I was picking up uh, bar stock to go from like Welland, Ontario, up north of Toronto to a rail yard and get put on a train to get sent out west. And there was like three guys from Michigan and Ontario doing it. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you guys doing here doing local moves? But hey, maybe they were slow over in Michigan that day. I have no idea. Mm. But like it happens. No, I, I only ever went up into Canada because I was on the dedicated run going up there. I was delivering um, trailer parts for uh, an account called Aurora, which is Wabash's parts manufacturing side. And yeah, they were always very careful about like, you know, just, just get in, get your backhaul and get out. Like, don't, don't sit around. Please don't burn up your hours. Cause if, you, <laughs> if you're stuck doing a 34, though, I remember one time I had to do a 34 reset and my load, what would they call them? My, my DBL, my driver board leader, Oh, she was mad. She was like, she's like, you just screwed up all our plans because <laughs> now we got to like, we got to find some local guy out there to pick up a load for you to bring it to you because you can't, you, it, anyway, it was like, it was like a whole mess. And, and I was like, well, you guys set me up here. You know, I, I told you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's easier to just do things than worry about compliance, but that's another show. <laughs> yeah. well, but that was that was supposed to be you know to, to kind of steel man what nafta was supposed to be was to like you know lubricate the freight coming across the borders and stuff but at the same time it's like they just completely destroyed entire towns down here and i'm sure that was the case in canada too where you know all, all, what was his name um was it ross perot the sucking sound yeah the, the sucking yeah. sound yeah It'd be the, the the vacuum of all the jobs going down in Mexico, and now Mexico it's it, it, decades later. Mexico is still like this great resurgence of you know manufacturing and stuff, but eventually Mexico too is going to be is going to be at the point where they're like, okay, we're, we we can't afford to pay these workers any any, any lower, so they're going to have to go either further south to the border or you know, overseas somewhere. Yeah, no, and that's happening in China too. The the, the Chinese um, 
you know, are getting a little bit too uppity and wanting too much money. So the Chinese companies send their factories to Vietnam to either pay people less and or get around rules, new tariffs levied against Chinese companies. So we just call it a Vietnamese company instead and do the same thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had that funny quote that I, I kind of like just ripped off the top of my head with you. It's like the problem with this like globalized homogeneity is that you eventually run out of other people's labor. You know, they're, they're, they're chasing smaller and smaller pools of cheaper and cheaper labor. But, you know, where where's the end? Yeah. And at, at, that's well, at some point you can only debase the bottom of the pyramid so much before the bottom of the pyramid doesn't exist anymore. And then you can't like if no one at the bottom of the pyramid has money to spend on anything that affects the ability of the people at the top of the pyramid to continue extracting. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the more they keep doing this sooner or later, they're not only shooting us in the foot, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Um, and uh, when when that shoe drops, so to speak, is anybody's guess. But that's not the purview of this show. What's your next subject? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just saying, we need, we need a term for that too, because you see that in everything. It's, it's companies trying to hire companies trying to hire drivers, you know, they're chasing smaller and smaller, you know, hiring pools, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a, we'll come up with a phrase for that at a later date. All right. 2023. Uh, what's the let, next let, thing? Let, uh, let's have some fun. Uh, let's talk about every trucker's spring break. Uh, Matt's mid America truck show, uh, March 30th through April 1st. Uh, plans are in motion to get back the truck up to Louisville, Kentucky, to the Kentucky, convention center and uh believe gord you might be out there hidden that way in some uh some way shape or fashion uh yeah i might i might be going to mass that's what is uh, uh, that's negotiations are underway with my wife let's put it that way (laughs) (laughs) i've never been to one of these shows can you you, like describe it to someone who hasn't been there before or have, have you been to one in the past I have only ever been, as far as like big truck shows go, uh, there's one in Canada and Toronto. uh, I've been to twice. I've been to the Fergus, the old Fergus truck show, which I don't think exists any longer, which is a sort of big outdoor uh, truck show festival type thing in the summer. Um, I've never been to Matt's or Gats. Is there is there one called Gats, the Great American Truck Show? It's like it used to be. Yeah, it used to be. Uh, COVID caused it shut down in 2020, I believe. But uh, maybe one day it'll be revived. You know, we can always hope and pray on that. Right. So we're we're all going to be Matt's newbies when we get there. <laughs> uh, well, it's in a great spot. You know, Louisville, Kentucky is like you know geographically right in the middle of the country. So if you're in the area, uh, from what I've seen, registration is free and it has free truck parking. Like I'm trying to like imagine the scale of this place. And it says it's like 60,000 plus people in attendance. Like that, that's, that's basically the Comic-Con as far as I know. You know so this is going to be the Comic-Con of trucking. Right. And what's the name of the venue? Is it some kind of stadium or an arena? Uh, Kentucky Conventions, uh, uh, Kentucky Exhibition, I believe is the name of it. I had to verify that, but... It's right it's across. I, I looked it up from, on... It's right across 465 from the international airport, which is the home of UPS World Worldport. It's about a quarter of a mile from the uh, Louisville Cardinal Stadium. It's about a mile from uh, Churchill Downs. So you know, if you if your uh, wife wants to see some horse racing, you know, have some fun, bet on the ponies. You know, <laughs> there you go. There's your excuse. It's the time of the year for that. Yeah, well, um, I mean, uh, it, it, w- 
whatever we end up doing at Matt's, as long as I can go do some Kentucky bourbon tasting beforehand to keep things interesting, you know, <laughs> uh, be, uh, 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 beer and loading at the Mid America Truck Show. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Great name for your Substack right there. Right. Well, yeah. No. So that's at the end of March. Um, what 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 else is happening? Uh, with 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 back the truck up with the industry in general. What, what's going on? Uh, it's just everything's a mess still. You know, where we still still doesn't feel like we've hit the bottom yet of you know rates and um, freight volumes. So you know, until they get, until um, volume starts picking up out of China and demand here you know increases, I still don't see. You know, I, I think Craig Fuller had a guess that maybe by by spring, you know, things might start looking up. But I think until we hit spring, you know, it's still not looking good. Okay, yeah. Related to that, I saw um, the guys at Odd Lots had a fellow who's a ocean shipping specialist on as their latest guest. I should go listen to that when we're done recording. I think that fellow said something about like shipping is now going to be in a recession mode. Yeah, our one of our earlier guests, uh, Sal Mercogliano, he's he's like an encyclopedia with this stuff. Um, you know, it's like youth. Whenever you get into a topic that you know nothing about and you talk to somebody like him, you real you you begin to realize almost immediately like not only do you not know nothing, you don't even know like what you don't know. He he just like just just his, his brain just goes on forever with this stuff. I I could talk to him all day and try and learn everything I could about ships and maybe scratch the surface <laughs> of everything he knows. Yeah, well, I think what what do they call that? The subject matter expert. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what helps too is he's been, um, you know, he's got his own YouTube show. So he's been doing this for a while and he's very good at like talking about everything. And I think he was a college, he's a college professor too, which, um, you know, so he's already used to talking yeah, to Campbell university out in uh, South Carolina, I believe. Yeah. You, you put me in front of an audience of like new truck drivers. I'm, I'm not going to be the same kind of guy that Sal is with students. I'm just going to be like, don't screw it up. Uh, <laughs> and good luck. Yeah. Uh, other oh, events sure. we got going on, you know, June we have uh, Future Supply Chain over at Cleveland, June 21st and 22nd at the Huntington Convention Center. Uh, going to be a real big event for the for Freightways. You know, we're going to be out there uh, right down the right down the street from uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame out there. Right? Yeah. No, I. Uh... I was a little bit jealous I couldn't get myself down to Chattanooga for, uh, was it F3? Yeah. Right, F3. So you guys are like an international auto racing circuit thing going on? Um. (laughs) Well, hang on, hang on. (laughs) Hang on, Gord. You are almost close. If you go down there, it's almost as long as a drag strip. (laughs) If you go to the Chattanooga Convention Center, it's like three quarters of a mile long, so... Yeah, yeah a bit of, it, it's a bit of a hike. You walk that thing four or five times a day. Yeah, it's like it's like being at a racetrack. Well, I mean, freight freight waves as a company must be doing really good. I mean, they're throwing these huge parties and having all kinds of people come out. Like, uh, you know, uh, congratulations to Craig and everybody. They must be doing something right. Yeah, well, it's it's also you know when times are tough in the industry, people want like the best info out there, and it really helps when you're the one with all the info. So they're going to be coming to you. And I, and I said before, you know, if you have, if you've got all the data and all you're doing is saying what the data is showing you and you sit back and wait six months, everyone thinks you're a wizard. You know? And it, it's, it's still, it still happens today. Like he'll have a prediction about, not even a prediction. He's just like, this is literally what the data is showing us. And everybody loses their mind. And then a few months later, or a few weeks later, he's proven right. And everybody's just like, well, how does he do it? It's like, well, 
It's very easy. All right. When you get yeah, live yeah. data, you can't. It's nothing better than that, you know. Yeah, and especially because like all these guys that you know say that they're, you're wrong about something, they're dealing with government data or data that's you know six months behind. <laughs> you know, you know, of course, of course, you're not going to be predicting everything like like we can. Um. So tell me more about this podcast you got coming out. You know, who do you who do you think you got uh, lined up and all right. who you like to see? So yeah, yeah. Who, um, who who had the who had the bright idea of giving truck drivers a podcast? Yeah, who, who had the <laughs> who, who 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 led all these guys into into the party? Um. So I mean, over the years, I've had a few people suggest to me that I should start a podcast just because I don't know they they think I've lived some kind of charmed life, and I guess to a certain extent I have. Um. I, 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 as we were mentioning earlier before recording, I, I don't, I don't quite understand how all this happened where I just started showing up on shows and then I, I've had some success with writing and, um, a number of people have suggested, Hey, maybe you should try starting your own podcast. And given that truck drivers have an awful lot of time on their own in their eggs, you know, if I, if I want to, um, communicate my ideas, I mean, that's, this is probably the best venue to do it. And I, I guess I just see like, there's like a little bit of a hole in that market. You know, I mean, there's you guys, um, there's, uh, uh, there's been a couple of trucking podcasts here and there, you know, there's Mike Lombard, there's, there's, there's shows around, but like, I, I have a sort of deranged view of things and I, I like to read. So the, the plan is, is to like get people on and have a discussion with them the people who write about trucking guys like Steve Vichelli, uh, Michael Belzer. There's this lady at Cornell named Karen Levy, whose book just came out called data driven. And it's a great. Book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm get I'm working on getting her on. I wrote a review of her book for this particular website that's coming out in February. And I just, I want to have discussions with these folks who've like studied trucking, you know, talk to people and, you know, uh, people in the media and other folks that are like looking at it and get their perspectives on it, have a discussion, put it in audio format and then boom, launch it out there. It's a gift for my fellow truck drivers. Um, if they don't want to hear me, if they think I'm wrong or I'm an asshole or whatever, okay, great. Go listen to whatever you want to listen to. But like for those who might be interested in it, it's for them. I have no plans on monetizing the show. There's not going to be ads. It's just going to be me and whoever I've like found out there that I think is interesting. So I have eight episodes already recorded. Um, I've spoke with a guy named James year, who's a photojournalist master's student at Syracuse university, who's working on a project um, documenting the lives of people in jobs that are perceived to be automated away. And so obviously he's coming um, at truck drivers because of all the discussion of automation recently. Uh, another guy is a fellow named Will Cook, who's behind an organization in Indiana called America Without Drivers, who's sort of doing advocacy, um, trying to get, you know, the government and the powers that be to, like, take a more cautious approach to automation and consider what happens to drivers and the motoring public and, like, just to look at things like more holistically, so to speak. Um I have a recording with a young lady who served on ships. Um, she was... Uh, officer on oil tankers and rig tenders and yachts and she's worked all over the world so sort of like a you know a a lady on the boat kind of perspective you know um i spoke with rachel your 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 guys uh, fellow at freight waves 
And um, I'm going to be speaking, hopefully, with Steve Buscelli, Michael Belzer, Karen Levy. Um, I spoke with a guy who, another Substack author from the UK by the name of Graham Brown, who's a trucker in Europe. And when he's not trucking, he writes. So I, I spoke with him for an hour and a half. I spoke with Chase Barber out in BC about his uh, diesel electric hybrid logging trucks. That one went long. That was like two hours. So like uh, for those of you who want to nerd out about equipment, um, that that's going to be a banger. And Ch- Chase is quite a, he's a really entertaining guy. I mean, if you follow him on TikTok or YouTube, he, he's a character and he basically laid out his trucking life story to me. That guy's done everything. He drove truck in Europe. He's got a degree in economics. Um, mm. He moved, he's moved rigs around BC and Alberta logging. The guy's done it all. And he's just a fountain of knowledge. And like, I just let him talk, man. It was like turning on a fire hose. It's yeah. Early, early on when I was with the freightways back to truck up, they had me do a fireside chat with him, you know, over Riverside, like we are. And it was only supposed to be for like 40 minutes, maybe half an hour. And we ended up going like over two hours. Yeah, that guy can. And the the, <laughs> the producer, like in our chat window, she like every like twenty minutes, he would just keep going. Oh shoot, sorry, I forgot to stop you guys. Like she, just, she was, she was like listening in on us talking back and forth. <laughs> yeah, Ch- Ch- Chase is one of those people who's just he's just a delight to listen to. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like my voice is what it is, and I mean, I- I'm making fun of myself. The name of my show is literally called Voice of Gord. Um, I got a buddy of mine to do some art for it and it's, you'll see there's, 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 there's like innuendo and making fun of myself top to bottom with all of it. And I hope people enjoy it. And, um, yeah, I hope like as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to go do, go do more editing. So it should be dropping today, tomorrow, next week sometime. Um, and then I'll probably do like back the truck up one show a week. Um, whenever I can find people that want to talk. Um, and again, I, it's just, it, I, I think that there's a lot of interesting people in the trucking universe with interesting things to say, people who've studied it. And if I can have a nice conversation with those folks and then make it a gift to other truck drivers who are going down the road and have something, just to have something for them to listen to and think about, that's, that's it. That's all I want to do. Yeah. I, I kind of liken it too. You're, you're like, um, you go to any like news article and you scroll straight down to the comment section and it's just like the most crazy, insane, like <laughs> schizophrenic kind of commentary you see. You're basically that, but like as a real person, but you actually have like important things to say <laughs> and you're talking to people that are going to be listening to you. Yeah. We, we joke, we, we, we joke around a lot with the, um, the, the journalists at Freightways. So like they have to, any, any comments that come in on like a Freightways article or a back to truck up article, like it, it, it immediately goes to like a filter and we have to approve whether they get posted on the site. And be, just because of the volume of traffic that the Freightways articles get, they, they get like the most insane rantings you've ever seen. And then ours, we, we get some of that, but not, not to the extent, and but we get a lot of spam bots and stuff. And then I jokingly took a screenshot of like some of the comments I got on my TikTok and it's all like, yeah, man, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you, 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 you like, I'm a little biased. You, 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 like, you like direct commentary. I mean, I whenever I write an article, say for Newsweek or Unheard or whoever, I never read the comments. I just don't because um, <laughs> uh, you know, running, running gun. The the I mean the the one time I did, and it just becomes obvious that sometimes people aren't paying attention or they haven't actually 
RTFA. They haven't read the effing article. So like, yeah. Um, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what people uh, think about it. And like I said, it's, it's a gift for my fellow truck drivers and however long it runs, it runs. It's totally an experiment. I have no expectations of it beyond that and we'll see what happens and i hope people like it yeah well we wish you luck i can't wait to listen to it yeah especially your conversation with chase i'm, I'm you know my, you're my two favorite canadians and i'm um <laughs> most looking forward to that right. <laughs> <coughs> oh pardon me no problem uh rooster you got anything else no i think we got everything covered you know it's always good to talk uh, talk a shop with a fellow trucker you know and you you, you can't get no more down to earth and gourd you know a man of the people himself uh great knowledgeable mind knows what he's talking about decades of experience <laughs> I, you know. I, I, I i appreciate your kind words rooster um <laughs> I, 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 yeah <laughs> oh, you're embarrassing know, maybe, me maybe, i'm not i'm not, well, well, you know, you always change my opinion at Matt's, but you know, I'm always going to consider you consider you a great guy. So, you know, all right. Uh, well. I did, I did want to before before we do sign off, I did want to talk a little bit about automation. And one of the things I re- lament about you not being at F3 was, you know, you see all these guys that run these companies, oh. and they're talking about what they want to automate, and I'm like, okay, good luck to you. Um, I'm standing outside the convention, and they have a Amazon truck parked out front. And there were two gentlemen from, uh, I won't say their names, but they, they're, they're from a company and they're talking about how, oh, we're going to automate the rail yards so that we just have like a truck that like rolls up to the trailer, hooks up, moves it to some other spot in the yard, drops it, and then, and then goes on. And then this, this third guy walks by and he hears them talking and he starts chiming in about like, oh yeah, we can automate this and this and, you know, automate, automate, automate. And after, after about five, 10 minutes of, of eavesdropping on those guys. I kind of like insert myself. And I was like, Hey guys, what's up? I'm, I'm a truck driver. And please, please tell me like exactly what you're trying to, to do here. And so they, they kind of give me like a rough, rough <laughs> overview of what they're trying to do. And I just, I point to the glad hands in the trailer right in front of them. And I said, like, okay, there's about eight different types of glad hands that you're going to run into in a, in a rail yard like that. How are you going to automate something that can hook up to that and disconnect and, you know, not break something off. And they didn't even realize that there are different type of glad hands. Right. I mean, and a lot of that is engineering stuff. And, and, and I mean, the, the discourse around automation, like like many other um, things and phenomenon is uh, it, 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 a lot of it's a lot of it's hype, you know, and because automation has mm-hmm. been like so front and center in uh, media discussion over the years that like it, a lot of people that talk about it uh have the sort of like big picture grandiose vision oh we're gonna like have you know fully automated luxury space trucking and they don't think about the details and once you start getting into the details then you start asking questions like okay cool so who's gonna flip all the glad hands and who's gonna take the tarps off and like at some point you the you they can come up with explanations for that. And, you know, maybe there's like one guy in the yard that does all that connecting, but like, okay, cool. So the, the technological fixes for some of those uh, details start costing so much money that you have to weigh it out. Like, uh, is it just, is it not like just cheaper to keep a person around to do that? Um, So like the, there's sort of like a point of diminishing returns for some of this stuff. And like that, that, that runs into the freight train of hype 
that everyone's been sniffing. And, you know, again, uh, the, 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 the larger conversation uh, has to take all the details into consideration and the media doesn't do that very well. So, uh, you know, the, the, the hype runs into details. What happens? You know? Yep. That's a really good way of putting it because, yeah, those guys were hyping themselves up about how they were going to automate these rail yards. And then I showed one little detail and they were like, huh, okay. Um, you had a really good line, I believe it was you, about you know any, any kind of automation or tech or anything that they want to put in a truck. You said, don't make it C3PO, make it R2D2. And I, I love that line. I love that line. And I don't think enough I, companies either understand that or even know where to go with that. I, I don't know if that was me. That might have, it might have been somebody else. I don't want to steal anyone's credit. I mean, Rooster already embarrassed me enough by like kissing my butt here. And <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. whatever. Well, if, if, if if you're gonna have some kind of like robot in the truck, you know, looking at you or looking after you, you know, do you want C3PO or do you want R2D2? Do you want the thing that's like beeping at you, so you know, warning you, giving you the odds and stuff, or do you want the little widget that can like plug into your truck and give you an extra fifty horsepower? Sure, yeah, no, that, that's yeah. a that, that's a great point, and a credit to whoever came up with that question. Is it C3PO or RT2? That's a that's a great way of boiling it down, and it wasn't me. <laughs> Uh, you asked me to make a meme about R two D two truck. I think I think yeah. I think that's where that spawned from. Yeah, well, uh, I think that was because of uh, an article I wrote on Substack, and it was it was a it was a related issue about having um, a truck driven by code, right? Or having yeah. all of this, yeah. you know, lane control technology or crash avoidance, and it's like it's just in the dash somewhere. Right. Like you can't yeah. interact with it. You can't talk to it. It's just code hiding in a chip in the dash of the truck. And it would be like <laughs> it would be way cooler if it was like R2D2 in the passenger seat. Yeah. Right. Huh. So maybe I came up with it, but I genesis <laughs> it from your, your commentary. Good. Good job, me. Um, yeah. Another thing I wish you were at F3-4 was the um, the plus AI truck. Um, I had. Fun time. I mean, it'd been six months since I'd been behind the wheel of a truck, so driving that thing was was a hoot. Um, but it it was very weird because most everybody everybody else there did ride alongs with the trucks. It was their driver um, who was driving it, and then they rode. So I was like the only driver. Me and Ingrid we were the only two drivers there that actually drove it, and like she loved it. She's like all hyped about it. And the whole time I drove in it, it basically reminded me of the trucks we had in the post office. You know, it had lane departure, automatic cruise control. Um, but it's really not, it's all it's going to do is make a safe driver safer and an unsafe driver even less safe. Right. And I mean, this, this goes to the, you know, there, there's the, there's the levels of automation, right? The SAE has a nice graphic for this. Um, yeah. I found it's, there's level one, which is like, we're basically doing everything. And then level two, level three, level four, level five, and then level six, there's no driver at all. Or maybe that's level five, but like. The, I think it was five. Yeah. yeah five the, is no um, driver. The regulations that the government has imposed on this increase exponentially, I think, between level three and level four. And I mean, again, the, the, the amount of money they're putting into this in order to, like, make sure everything's like 100 percent safe. And like, you know, I, 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 I'm biased against a lot of this stuff because I, I just think that, like, a well-trained truck driver 
it precludes the need for any of this. Like, what do you need lane control for? You're holding the yeah. steering wheel. Just pay attention. Just do your job. You know, like yeah. um, front crash avoidance. I don't know. Drive slower. Pay attention. Like, the, I, I think a lot of this stuff, and maybe this is my deranged, paranoid way of looking at this, is like they want to bring in all of this assistance technology as like they're saying the quiet part out loud that we don't have enough high quality drivers out there. Well, how come we don't have high quality drivers? Because you're legislating them out of existence and you keep, again, the whole funnel thing, just keep throwing bodies at stuff. Like if you keep churning through people, the good ones don't want to stick around. So like they're trying to, they're trying to use technology as a cover for not addressing a human and economic problem. Yeah. Oh, just look at the commentary on any TikTok about any truck driver complaining about anything. And it's full of guys saying, oh, glad I got out. Oh, I did 25 years, never again. You know, it's just any any new legislation or new tech in the truck or, you know, any, anything that's like, you know, new, new new drivers coming in, they have no idea like how things used to be. So to them, this is just normal. Well, I mean, there's a, the, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a deeper problem here. And I mean, you know, I, I could... Maybe actually one 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 of the guests I'm going to have on my show is this lady who's a sociologist and a lecturer at a university in Wales, but she like kind of identifies as a Marxist ideologue, for lack of a better term. I mean, she's well trained in all that stuff, and you could you could you could take the sort of broader view here that like they they, they want to use technology because they just don't care about people anymore. I mean, I'm using the royal they here in air quotes, but like it's 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 quite clear that making better, happier, safer truck drivers is not in the cards. They just want to like keep throwing tech at this stuff because actually making better, safer, happier truck drivers means paying us more. And, you know, I, I could get into the class dimensions of this, but again, that's beyond the, birth, the purview of back the truck up. But like it's it's technology versus the human, you know. And again, that that, that could yeah. be a whole other episode. Let me let me since we're on this topic, let me bounce this off of you. So I'm listening to this podcast the other day with uh, Jordan Peterson and Doctor Temple, uh, Doctor Temple, Temple Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, what an amazing conversation. He's mentioned her in lectures in the past. Um, she's um, very on spectrum. She's like super autistic, and she specialized years ago in designing new slaughterhouses for for animals basically to like make it more you know not not to say that there's a humane way of of putting cows down but she made it so that you know there weren't any delays in getting the cows off the trucks and into into the slaughterhouse and she has this amazing book called visual learning and i I think what she she really touched on a topic of what part of the reason why we're seeing a lot of this stuff now is there's so much more emphasis on like verbal iq versus visual iq that I, th- I think the reason why we're seeing this push for more tech in the truck is a lot of the guys that would have been great at truck driving have been kind of, you know, shoved off into other things or nothing. You know, a lot of them are just sitting in their parents' basement playing video games the rest of their lives when they could have been great mechanics or technicians or truck drivers. Sure. And I mean, and that comes, that that also speaks to the you're not just a driver. You have to deal with people. You have to deal with shippers. You have to deal with receivers. You have to mm-hmm. deal with like breakdowns, uh, mechanical stuff, loading, unloading, tying things down, whatever product you're dealing with. Right. So it's like, 
there's multiple different types of intelligence at play in our job. It's not just whether or not you can sit there and steer the wheel and go down the road. There's all kinds of other stuff involved in the gig. And that's a great point about the different types of intelligence and getting back to what I'm saying about technology can only address certain aspects of this. It doesn't address the whole and it can't address the whole because you're dealing with human beings and the interactions between human beings. Right. And the the, the more you try and like take us out of that equation and put more tech in, it's sort of it's it's sort of like one of those problems that goes on like it it, it just it, it gets exponentially worse because the more yeah. more tech begets more tech begets more tech and annoys people that then don't want to do it so it just kind of like it, it sort of goes around in a circle and makes itself worse yeah and being a people person is so important like what's like here's a good nightmare scenario for a company you spend all this money on this like brand new sparkly truck you get a new driver in there and then they get to a shipper receiver and the, the person at the guard shack's a jerk. You know, great. Now that, that driver mouths off to the guard and then now your company's blacklisted from ever, ever going yep. there again. Oh, I've been you there, know, done the, that. The, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, I've, and I've seen that happen where, you know, you get, you get to a place and everyone's like, don't go in there. That guy's a prick. And then you go in there and you got to like, sh- you got you to gotta know how to schmooze a little bit, you know, just a, just a little schmoozing. And, so, and sometimes that doesn't even work. Sometimes no matter what you, like we did an article about some guard shack that had like all these different rules plastered all over the place. And we're like, okay, cool. That's a great way to chase away, uh, you know, good drivers. Yeah. Um, again, you know, like I said, you're, you're dealing with people and the, the more, the more they try and take people out of the equation, the more the interface between people and tech and people and people gets worse, I think. But yes, that's, again, that's another, another question, another much deeper conversation beyond my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so her back to dr uh dr grandin her solution really is like we got to get shop classes back into schools um because yes. at, at the at, at the rate now she's like even schools that are trying to get the shop classes back in the school they don't have anyone that can teach the shop classes like that's how bad it's getting right now wow. so like she'll she's very sensitive to movement and she's been traveling a lot to get like these book tours and so she'll be on an airplane and she said twice in the last month, mechanics have come on the plane to explain the problem that's going on, and all the mechanics have gray hair. Yeah, that's that that, that they're, that's they're, the thing. They're aging out. So I, I met this guy. Um, there's a fellow that lives not too far from me. Him and his son both have their own trucks. Like the one fellow's got an '81 Pete, and the other guy's got an '83. Old mechanical cats in them. They like rebuilt them. I should actually, I, I, I should interview them for my show. Um, uh, nice, ni- ni- nice gentleman. But uh, the, 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 the father was telling me about um, trying to rebuild this cat and something about the fuel pumps. That when you rebuild the fuel pumps, there's like a certain process and way of pressing seals in and doing that. And he said there's the, the nearest guy to us that kn- knows how to do that is in Syracuse. And if not him, you have to go to Ohio. There's hmm. something about doing fuel pumps on cats that's like on older cats that's like becoming like lost knowledge. Yeah, my my dad likes to collect um like old school Japanese sports cars, like Datsuns. He's got probably two. I think right now at the, at the moment he's got two two forty Z Datsuns, and trying to find somebody that can. And my my dad's like a pretty good mechanic, like he can rebuild an engine himself. But um, trying to rebuild the carburetors on those things is like a pretty daunting task. And he's like, there's literally two shops like on the entire eastern half of the country that know how to rebuild 
old Japanese carburetors. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, for the enterprising spirit, you know, maybe there's a, there's definitely going to be a market for this stuff because like, you know, another thing that like ties into our industry is like cars and trucks are getting like super expensive, super overly reliant on tech. And mm-hmm. you know how, you know how you see pictures from Cuba and you hear about like the Cubans have like all these old 1950s era American cars that like they keep, yeah, they yeah. just, they just keep them on the road through like force of will and like compulsory <laughs> ingenuity because they can't get parts for them. Like we are kind of turning ourselves into that because like if you can't afford like one of these newer vehicles that because of, you know, the EPA and the DOT and all these regulations and safety stuff and like tech bro fetishism, they're larded down with tons of electronics and computers that you have no hope of ever fixing yourself. There's going to be like a cottage industry for decades of people keeping old cars on the road because you literally can't afford the new ones, right? If you're like a working class guy like me, I can't, I can't go and buy a new 60 or $70,000 pickup truck. It just isn't happening. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be fixing my Toyota forever. My my dad drives an 2004 F350 with like the dualies on the back. And he's like, every time he takes in for oil change, the dealer is just throwing like crazy numbers at him. And he's like, I'm literally never trading this thing in. It's got like over two and a half miles, two and a half million miles on it. It's been through two motors. I just can't afford anything. No matter what you guys give me for the trade in, I can't afford anything that you had to sell me. Right. And he probably doesn't want the hassle because, you know, you know, this sensor goes, that sensor goes, Oh wow. The yeah. Made in Taiwan can't get it. Supply chain issues. I mean, all the way down the line, it's, it's a losing proposition. Unfortunately, we've been brought to this point where it's a losing proposition to have a new vehicle, which is a really terrible indictment of our system, but it sucks too. Cause they're really, they're really nice cars. I, I drive, I have a 2017 and a 2019 Subaru and like they're, they're nice little cars, you know, just got to take care of them. I imagine in the future, there's going to be a cottage industry of, of like small block V8 engine swaps for everything. Cause you can just, you can drop those motors into anything and there's nothing to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we can, uh, we can try and wrap this up here if you need, unless there's another topic you want to do, uh, to hit on. No, we've, we've been going for quite a while and I don't want to, uh, abuse your fellow's hospitality anymore or, uh, be, smirch <laughs> back the truck up or freight waves any longer with my presence. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> th- thank you very much for having me gentlemen. And I just, to anybody out there listening, have a great, uh, hopefully happy 2023. And, um, you know, uh, happy trails, uh, be careful. And, um, you know, uh, you can follow me at driver autonomy on Twitter or, uh, check out my Substack, which I hope to write more here. If I get some time, uh, autonomous truckers.substack.com. And if you follow either one of those things or back the truck up on Twitter, you will soon hear about my podcast, hoping to drop within the next few days. Awesome. Looking forward to it. 